Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it is October 31st, 2018. You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we talk to you about the latest and the greatest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel, and I have the best treat, not a trick. She's back, the lovely, my partner forever, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hello, G. Hello, MMA fans. It, it, well, I mean, talk to me, Kayla, because I know this is your favorite holiday. I'm going to take a back <laughs> seat. Um, last year, before we were on iTunes, we had a very great conversation and, you know, we got to learn a little bit. But for you, just talk to me about Halloween just um, for you. Yeah, I don't know why it's my favorite holiday. I just love it. Um, loved watching Hocus Pocus growing up. But no, I actually um, read a little bit more into it as an adult, and the Celtic Irish pretty much thought of this holiday um, kind of almost like Dia de los Muertos to honor their um, past, you know, their ones that have passed away, their loved ones. So it just cracks me up because everyone thinks it's about candy and ghosts and witches and dressing up in costume. But if you look at the history of it, it actually is a pretty loving family holiday. I think, I think, but I think the candy and the costumes, the candy and the costumes probably got me as a kid. I just always loved dressing up and um, yeah, just seeing how creative people get with their costumes. I mean, in all honesty, who still doesn't love candy and dressing up as an adult? I mean, to me, that's, I think, the biggest fun. People talk about commercial holiday. It's like, do you not want an excuse to have fun? You know, like, you gotta gotta just enjoy these things. Um, I like it. Uh, I asked you this question last year before we were on iTunes. As a kid, what was your, like, go-to costume, you know, growing up for Halloween? Um, I mean, I always got pretty creative, so I never had the same costume. Let me think. I mean, we did. I would always keep my costumes. I know. I think I might have been a pirate more than once just because we had a really good like eye patch and kind of like striped pirate pants. But one of my favorite costumes, I guess, growing up when I was a little kid is I was a genie and it was so fierce. Gee, it was real cute. What was your favorite (laughs) costume? I gotta see that. You gotta send me that after the show. Um, I did. I know I was some kind of like karate or ninja uh, several Aww. times growing up. Um, I believe I was Spider Man one year, and uh, yeah, those <laughs> stood out to me. And um, you know, it was certainly very nice growing up. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Some okay, so I have my more. Um, conventional one now i have a very nice chef outfit i have a very legit coat i have a the <laughs> puffy hat that is very hot if you've never worn one but um it works because when i need to be professional i could still wear it and it's very functional it doesn't get in my way and if um you know it you need to really dress it up i have you know one of my female friends or something you could really like put the white 
face makeup and you could make me very zombified or however <laughs> make it scarier so it works and it's fun and I like it what okay nice yeah you're gonna have to post I feel like we should both post our costumes on our social media or at least send them to each other for sure I was gonna say, I'm gonna be something oh, go ahead Oh, sorry, what were you going to ask? I was going to say, I do know that Miss Kayla Beatty loves to also incorporate her love of MMA into Halloween. You had a very <laughs> awesome Nate Diaz costume one year, which I still love. I think it's so cool. Um, are there any MMA costumes in Kayla Beatty's future? Yeah, that one was really fun to make. This year, I'm not going to incorporate MMA. I just got so inspired moving back to Los I'm going to be a plastic surgery addict. Oh, so are you going to be someone uh, particularly enhanced? I'll use that phrase. I'm just going to look like I walked out of off the surgery table and have a bunch of marks and breath on me, maybe some poofy lips, and then I'm going to put on some Spanx and party. <laughs> The night away. There you go. Definitely send me a picture, Kay. But what I are you gonna ask? Oh no, I think I was gonna bring up what um, my costume was gonna be since I've moved out here to LA. I was just inspired being so close to. <laughs> well, it is certainly uh, it's one of the best places I think to live for Halloween. Like many are, but you know, LA in particular. You know, people like to enjoy these kinds of things. But you guys didn't just come to hear about MMA, or sorry, about Halloween. We do have a big fight <laughs> week. I am so glad you're back, Kayla, because I would not want to tackle Madison Square Garden without you. But let's have a quick pit stop. UFC Moncton, Volkan Uzdemir versus Anthony Smith. Kayla, this one flew under the radar. It was a ton of fun. It was back and forth. Both guys really tried to put some damage on each other. What were your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think my thoughts, my ending thoughts from this fight is just the durability and chins on both guys, like, really impressed me. Because I think that both are known for their heavy hits and the fact that each of them took quite a few of heavy heavy hits from each other. That's what really impressed me most. But you're right. It was definitely back and forth. You know, it, Anthony Smith, to me, is just such an exciting fighter to kind of watch and grow with each fight. I still kind of feel like he fights a little dangerous. And, you know, we might have started to see the, that in this fight, too, how he does leave openings to get caught and in trouble. But then it also kind of makes him risky and fun. And he, you know, like I said, is so durable and was able to pull off that submission win and, and uh, really just... I guess surprises in the third round, but also it's just fun that both men really turned it up in the third round to give a fight. And I think even the commentary was saying, these guys are going at it like this is the last round. And, you know, you just really saw that both men wanted to get that finish. And um, I, I don't know, Anthony Smith kind of did it in a sneaky way, but it was fun. For me, I always said that for this fight, Vulcan's volume was going to be the big factor because I feel like Anthony... He doesn't throw in uh, high numbers. He really just tries to load up on that one big shot. But he's so powerful and so explosive, notably moving up from 185. He doesn't seem like he's lost too much of that extra just pop that he really just made so dangerous. But he doesn't load up. He kind of just chops at you with one or two few shots, but he's so strong that 
similar to Tiago Santos, you don't have to hit him with too many to really have a noticeable effect. Um, once again, I'm glad you brought up the chins. Vulcan did catch him a few good times. He was landing some good hits. Anthony, early on Vulcan, he did have a few clean shots, but they both took him really well. It was just that right hand in the third round. Uh, Anthony caught him with a shot that he wasn't expecting. Those are the ones that do the damage. And from there, he hurt Vulcan. He set up his takedown. And it was all his show from there. And I was very impressed because this was a guy who, you know, when the year started, he was a middle-of-the-pack guy, Kayla. He was not mm -hmm. a t I don't even know if he was in the top 10, but he was just really just kind of in the middle. He what We weren't talking about him as a title contender. He was just an exciting knockout artist that was starting to be a little up and down. Then after beating Shogun, he was like the legend slayer because he also retired Rashad Evans. And now we're talking about, is Anthony Smith the next title challenger at 205? This obviously gets very, very complicated in the next several weeks. So to unpack it, Kayla, in my opinion, the only way Anthony Smith steps into a title shot is if DC stays out of um, the light heavyweight division and John Jones most likely moves up. So in other words... Gustafsson wins or Jones tries to challenge DC whoever's heavyweight champion if he wins but I don't see Anthony Smith fighting anyone besides Alexander Gustafsson if he's going to challenge for the light heavyweight title next what about you yeah I agree I think that's kind of the game plan he has to stick to and he'll you know he'll just have to understand where DC's at so close to retirement if him and Jones want to make that third fight if the fans want it if UFC want it wants it unfortunately these guys have really built up that storyline and you know built up their careers to although like yes it looks like Anthony Smith should be that next one to get the fight it's just the fight game but his career has a chance to it will have a chance to face Jones um in the future so I think, like you said, either wait for that Alex fight if he loses or wins um, or just kind of sit back. And, and you've given us some, a couple of exciting um, finishes, fights. It's I don't think that he'll be lost, you know, um, in conversation if he sits out for a few months. Yeah, I think also I do think they need to continue promoting him, though, to keep him, you know, in the storyline. Absolutely. He needs to be there when Jones fights Alex. I would like him to be there um, on Saturday watching uh, DC and Derek, to be honest, too. Just kind of like, you know, another that fighter waiting in the wings. Yeah. Uh, to me, though, I think it really, um, what's the best way to put it? Not take a step back. You beat a guy like Vulcan Uzdemir. You beat Shogun, who had the most wins currently in the light heavyweight division consecutively. I... For example, Corey Anderson, I know that Corey has been a perennial guy. He just beat Glover. I think that Corey would be a step back. I think don't sign for a fight with somebody like that absolutely until you know that they are going a completely different direction in the division. DC is not moving down. John Jones is moving up, like I said. But I think that if Jones is light heavyweight champion, he's going to look to set up a different fight, either the third with DC or move up to challenge for the heavyweight title in some way. Um, I don't see that Jones taking a fight with Anthony Smith if he wins. Or if DC were to come back and win, I just don't see Anthony Smith being in the plans for him. So 
like you said, wait and see, but it's not out of the question that Anthony Smith can fight for the light heavyweight title next year. Anything can happen, as we're going to see this week with the fight um, with DC and Lewis. So, you know, be patient. You know, sometimes I think you got to get out of your own way. I want to bring something up, Caleb, because at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy who's kind of a breakthrough fighter, and this is one that I feel should be asked. Do you feel like he's at the championship level already? Because some people would argue he's not. I think that that division is a little light. So I'm kind of not, I'm not against it. I think that especially with this performance and how he, you know, was able to get the finish um, and turn it up in the third round. Because I think people spoke a little bit about him tiring out. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. So. But then I know a lot of people thought that that might have been strategy, too, just because of the way he was able to turn it up in the third. I, I don't know. I mean, I think give the guy a chance. That would maybe be interesting to see him fight. Um, say Alex does does um, lose against Jones, then maybe see him fight Alex, and, and that'll kind of solidify if we think he's ready. But I, I don't know. I, I think that I'm okay with him fighting for the title next for his career not necessarily that I think he should get it over somebody else but I think that if if that's the next move for his career I'm okay with it what do you think G I agree with you um if I'm being honest I feel like I would want to see him face a couple more wrestlers like a Corey Anderson like these other guys uh open St. Prue for example um guys who can also mix it up and take him down and pose that threat um respectfully He's faced a lot of guys who are cool standing and banging with him, and that's his bread and butter. He's looked great. It's been a lot of fun. I would watch it every week if they set it up. But if we're talking about is this going to be the guy who can, you know, challenge and be a very big threat to someone like Jones or like DC, for example, that is a very big concern to me. And if you're talking about Anthony Smith, do I think that he could hang with a guy like DC who's going to keep trying to take him down, not interested in standing in mid-range? I really don't think so from just what I've seen. It's fun, like I said, but I think that that's going to be a big X factor. And if we're talking about him taking on the best of the best, that's going to be something he's got to prove to us to show that he is at that top level too. I agree with you, though. At this stage, the light heavyweight division, it's, I mean, look at the circumstances, you know, it is very light, like you said. So I think it's just the one that is going to happen next. But that is something I wanted to address. It's not just Anthony Smith wins. He's a world beater. Not quite there yet. So I did want to bring that up and get your opinion on it. But yeah, look, a lot of fun. Um, We had the GOAT, the best of all time. The internet says he is the Fedor, Silva, and John Jones all rolled into one. Artem Lobov competing. So it was quite the night, Kayla. <laughs> um, moving on, though, we have some MMA news. This one, very disappointing because I was looking forward to it. Frankie Edgar is out of the fight with Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, in Denver, in Denver next Saturday. It's already here. And Yair Rodriguez is going to be stepping up. Kayla, both of them are coming in off a layoff. Yair has not fought in roughly a year and a half. Zombie has fought, you know, roughly about the same time since last February. Before that, Zombie was out for four years to serve in the South Korean military, which is something, you know, 
he is very proud of, and that's part of the culture. Yair, obviously more controversial. They've been trying to set up the fight with Zabit. He pulled out of that one in September. So this fight coming together for both men, it's really something. What are your thoughts on the match? I really wish we could have gotten him to talk to us just for a brief second at Kambase. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I really, I've been really rooting for Yair. I was disappointed, like most of us, when, you know, he was injured again with Sabit. But this is an exciting fight. We, you know, I, I think that uh, losing Edgar, this is one that at least is going to kind of make up for it because we want to see Yair back. The UFC and him still feel confident confident that he has used this time, even though he says that he's been, you know, going through injuries, that he still used this time to come, um, you know, come back and be, I guess, that star that we saw the potential in. Um, the only thing, I mean, it's just going to be very telling because it's on a short notice. Yes, he's coming off the injury and he's going against an opponent that, was also on an absence, but kind of, you know, in a different way. We know that he was still training and still staying very active and staying focused. Yeah, to me, um, I've always been a big fan of Korean Zombie. I think that he is one of the more underrated guys. He watches fights with guys like Cub Swanson. Um, uh, was a Cub? I know for sure Dustin Poirier, but he's had these fights where really he's looked just so good. He's obviously very tough and durable on the feet, but on the ground, he's very crafty. He goes for submissions. He's very offensive-minded. And when you put that together with his age, he was a young guy when he made that WEC debut against Leonard Garcia that went bananas. He really is one of these guys who I think could really threaten a lot of the top-level guys. The problem is, obviously, with the absence, and now this layoff, it's like, it's hard to get pumped up for him. It's hard to say, hey, he's one or two wins away, and maybe we're talking about Zombie versus Ortega, Zombie versus Holloway, or Chad Mendes. So I think that this is a big one. Where is he at necessarily? Is he still going to get back to that top form that we saw just a few years ago, or even last year when he knocked out Bermudez? For Yair Rodriguez, I agree with you. It's kind of that X factor on short notice. He doesn't seem to me like a guy who's just been sitting on the couch. That being said, mm-hmm. you're up against a very tough guy, very a lot of power for Zombie. He can put people out with one shot. Is Yair going to be ready? Now, stylistically, it is very different, you know, preparing for Frankie than it is for Yair. So Zombie is going to have that adjustment, but I think it just really favors him. That being said, you know, Yair, like... This is his chance, like you said, to prove it. What has he been working on since he's been away? Has he just been on the mat working? Has he been working on his boxing? Set up all those flashy kicks that we love even better. I think that it's going to be, like you said, very telling because I think this is the perfect opponent, a guy who's not necessarily going to be looking to take him down all the time, stand with him. Yair can showcase this growth in his game, and he's got an opponent who's going to be willing to put on a show with him to do it. We shall see for a title. Yeah. Also, um, 25th anniversary card for the UFC. They returned, um, like, it wasn't in Denver, but it was a city close to it in Colorado. I mean, 25th anniversary, 
it's a fun matchup. I like the one with Frankie Moore just for the star power. I find it interesting that they didn't maybe try to set up something bigger, but I'm good with it. Under the circumstances, I'm good with it for this one. The next one. Like as far as. I want to say Zabit just made uh, the top six. Because I wonder, oh, the reason why I asked, do you fly here? Do you think that we'll still try mm-hmm. to make that fight? Are they still trying? I think, I think if he takes out Zombie, that is, oh, Zabit is still just at number 14. Ironically, Zabit, uh, Yair is number 15. Zombie is not in the rankings uh, with his layoff, I'm assuming. Uh, No, wait. Zombie is number 10. Sorry. You know what? I would say, yeah. I would say that if you can upset Zombie in a very impressive fashion, get a flashy knockout, I think we could still see it. I think, though, um, let's say he were to lose or be boring, I think they would keep Zabit on the fast track. I think they're looking at maybe Zabit versus a guy like a Chad Mendez. Um, so Yair, you know, he because he's been away, I think he really needs to turn it around. He really has to sh- inject himself back into the conversation in a big way if he wants that big fight. What about you? Yeah, too, and I just think that that's what's so interesting sometimes. You know, just circumstance of being available when, you know, some of a fight is, is due to injury or someone having to pull out, you can kind of jump the gun and avoid a dangerous fight with the beat. But we'll see. If both guys continue to do well, then or, or prove sure we'll definitely see that fight happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, anything could happen. I think that that's the big thing is that Yair took this fight with the confidence, I'm sure, that he can really put things together against the zombie. So... I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say next week about why he took it and where he's at with his health, because I think that's going to be the two big factors. Kayla, I have a great news for you. I think that you are going to love this one. The Joe Rogan podcast, I know one of your favorite characters in mixed martial arts, has been nominated for podcast of the year by iHeartRadio. They are, have music awards. They're one of the biggest outlets in the world in terms of media and entertainment. And they are having their first ever podcast awards. And the G, sorry, JRE is nominated for podcast of the year. It's up against podcasts like The Daily, not MMA Daily, which I feel we got snubbed once <laughs> again. Just like they didn't... Uh, Exactly. They didn't nominate us at the MMA Awards this year, which really hurt my feelings, but okay. But also Atlanta Monster, Serial, Stuff You Should Know, Cisk, and others. Kayla, this isn't just a sports podcast award. This isn't just a comedy. This is up there with a lot of shows that are downloaded millions and millions of times every week, some of them every day. What are your thoughts on the Joe Rogan show being nominated? Well, congratulations to Joe Rogan and Dean. But I think that one thing I appreciate the most about Joe Rogan and, and watching 
you know, I think fans are just people in general can is someone who's really created a brand and, you know, a brand of, of his own. So he, the opportunities that MMA has given him, but of course also just, you know, being a hardworking and curious person has really created a brand where I, I remember watching his podcast either early this year. Um, and when I say watching, I mean the one that's, you know, um, on the YouTube. clips on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Cause I go back and forth listening and, and viewing it, but, um, I was listening and watching one of the podcasts. I forgot which major news outlet he was, um, comparing his views with, but, I remember it being one that like kind of made my mouth drop. And when I think of, I know so many, I have so many friends or just hear from so many people about how they tune into his podcast. And I think that what's really cool is not, I don't necessarily agree with everything Joe Rogan says, but what I really appreciate out of him is he's such a curious person. And I think the people that he brings onto his show and the viewpoints that they have, um, are, are what's making him so successful and the fact that he's so open-minded to it. So I'm not shocked that, um, you know, he's being nominated and recognized for his hard work, but it is super cool just to kind of see someone in the MMA world just branch out and, 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 you know, accomplish bigger things outside of MMA. What do you think, G? To me, I think that it is very underrated just how influential a figure he is outside of commentating. Yes, he's Joe Rogan, you know, him and Goldberg, iconic. They're the two guys you want uh, calling a UFC broadcast and the best fights in MMA. Um, That's already a given, and that's already a very big deal, if you ask me, in terms of the sport and the level of exposure it receives. That being said... I think it's very underrated just how much of a crossover guy. Remember that Brendan Schaub was a guy who never won a UFC title, never had, um, you know, he didn't win his season of the Ultimate Fighter. He was a middle-of-the-pack guy. And people talk about Brendan Schaub, with so many appearances on the Joe Rogan podcast, has parlayed that into, you know, commentary work for Showtime, he, I saw him on E! He was doing, like, the pre-show or post-show for, like, the Emmys or Grammys. One of these major award shows, absolutely nothing to do with MMA. Absolutely nothing you would expect him to know about or talk about on the level of these, you know, the personalities on the E! Network. And yet, you know, he's turning these opportunities. That is what kind of exposure and what kind of level the Joe Rogan podcast is at. Um, Kayla, I'll be honest. And I might get some flack for this. I like Joe Rogan's commentary work. He does solid work. You could tell he's passionate. You could tell he's knowledgeable. Um, I think he's forgotten more MMA than most people know. Um, as a comedian, I can't say I've ever watched him and had my, you know, just laugh out loud, clutch my stomach, laugh watching him. So to me, it was kind of like, you know, how big can it be? You know, I, I don't always watch too much of it. I know when he's got a big guest that I want to listen to. Um, but to me, the biggest indicator that he is not just, or let me put it this way. I know that the two biggest podcasts we have would easily be, you know, Ariel Hawani from MMA Hour to now ESPN and Joe Rogan. 
I think that even if you're just an MMA fan, people go to the MMA Hour or his new show to hear the news. You go to Joe Rogan because you want to hear these guys spill the tea. For example, they will tell you what really happened on Joe Rogan, whereas they're a little more polished for Ariel Hawani, which is fine. That's just an MMA. But the final note, the one that really got my attention was when the controversy with Roseanne happened. They canceled her show over her comments. And everybody, every news outlet, every everyone on Twitter who's not MMA associated at all is talking about Roseanne. And like, what is it? A day or two after, and Joe Rogan is like, Roseanne is going to be on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, shouldn't she be on Good Morning America? Something, one of the, you know, CNN, Fox, some major news, and her first interview is going to be with Joe Rogan on a podcast, not even on TV. That was the one that made me realize, hey, this is a bigger deal than just MMA, than comedy. Then a lot of little stuff. Joe Rogan really does have some crossover, you know, strength that I think we just don't talk about enough. For sure. Um, yeah. And he continues to grow to be influential. And like you said, just expanding into other areas outside of sports, outside of comedy. So I, I feel like, I mean, the episode, the, you know, ones that I like listening to G are kind of more when he speaks to like scientists or, um, you know, doctors of whatever certain or, or authors just um, kind of like, uh, what would I say? I like when he speaks to professionals and expertise, um, experts, you know, in their field. I love when he has Dr. Rhonda Fitzpatrick because they can talk about anything from surfing to, you know, certain foods that are, are you know, going to be helpful and just the advances in science that, uh, you know, people in general are figuring out. And I love when he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on there. So I kind of listen to more of those. Not, I don't even really listen so much to when he's talking fights unless it's a really particular fight that I want to hear his opinion on. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's very interesting. Like when you, I hadn't known that he actually had Roseanne on as a guest. And when I saw that, I was equally confused, but um, I just like that he's open-minded and wants to just have the discussion because I think a lot of people are kind of scared to have an opinion and have the discussion. And I feel like he goes in it, in it with an opinion, but with a respectful opinion, you know? I agree. I've seen a few of those other clips when he's not talking MMA at all. And it's like, you know, that was actually a good conversation. And I think it was a lot of fun and informative. And he has this rapport with a lot of people. I will say, though, my favorites are still when he has Joey Diaz and they're talking about Brock Lesnar or when they had Yoel Romero on. That was just great comedy. I could listen. I replayed a few of those. That was just a lot of funny stuff that those guys were saying. So. You know, he's got a good balance, which I really enjoy. And yeah, congratulations, Joe. I hope you win. I will be voting for you. I expect your vote for MMA Daily at the 2019 awards show. But yeah, great work. But Kayla, we have a fight night. I don't know if you listened to us, but I said last week it was the curse of Madison Square Garden. This (laughs) This week is the battle in the Big Apple. 
How fitting Look, that it was during Halloween weekend and all of these spooky curses <laughs> going on. I mean, you know, I think I think that in uh, on Saturday we're gonna have a bunch of hocus pocus. I think that's mm-hmm. what's gonna happen. But yeah, Kayla, I mean, look, we've already talked about a lot of the circumstances leading up to it. Let's break down this main event. Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis for the heavyweight championship. Both men have had little under a month to prepare for this fight. Um, Go right into it, Kayla, however you want to analyze it, because this is one of the more interesting bouts that we're going to have this year. Yeah, you know, this fight, oh, it's so interesting because... It's not one. It's not that I didn't ever want to see this fight. Well, I mean, I didn't even think that you know before Daniel Cormier moved up that we'd really see this one. But it's not that I don't find it interesting because I actually the more you know we did some research into it, it is. It is interesting as far as the level of competition. I just don't like how it was put together because I would like to see both guys, I guess, fight more prepared. But here we are. So, um, yeah, speaking of Daniel Cormier and, and, and Derek Lewis, I haven't caught up so much on Embedded, so I don't know exactly where Daniel Cormier's, um, I guess, recovery is as far as his hand being injured and, and you know, the, the uh, damage he took in his last fight. I have a really good feeling that Derek Lewis might have been working hard to build on his cardio. Um, but I just think that he hasn't had enough time to, you know, get it together uh, in, in preparation for this title fight. What I do find interesting about it, though, is Derek Lewis has the most knockouts, I think, in heavyweight history. You well, know? I think that's what I had read. Um, but either way, you know, he 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 is respected and um you know has that number two number one next title shot spot for a reason and i think it's just going to come down to a few things i think that you know daniel Cormier has faced people like rumble johnson um you know plenty of guys uh stipe himself even with power but Derek lewis has been able to put away a lot of heavyweights and I think it'll just be really telling when we finally, when we see that, you know, opening first round and see Daniel Cormier and whether or not he can handle um, if his chin's strong enough for a Derek Lewis hit. Um, I think the reason why I want to do a little more research into looking at where Daniel Cormier's recovery is, is yes, he has, you know, a full background of wrestling and other skill sets that he can bring in. I think he is also the faster guy with Derek Lewis that, you know, he can dance around him and tire Derek Lewis out. We kind of know what, what each other's game plans are. But I think um, one thing that I do want to know is Daniel Cormier, I think as competitive as he is, and, you know, I don't want to take away anything because I don't know the man. I've never, unfortunately, interviewed him or spoken with him. I think he truly is a competitor. But I also feel like he's in a very interesting place in his career of, and I, I only say this because I think this is why he took this fight is, you know, he's on his way out. So I, I just wonder how much heart he has in this fight in this particular one. You know, if it was a fight against Jones, we know that he's fired up. He's built up because he wants to finally beat Jones. But I just don't know if we're going to get that same intensity in this fight. 
And that kind of worries me a little bit. No, that's an excellent point. I, um, I was wondering a lot of the same things, too. For this one, I always go back to how weird of a year Derek Lewis has had. I mean, he had a win over Marcin Taibura in February, I think. He had that fight with Francis Ngannou that we didn't even talk about because there was nothing to talk about. It was that disappointing. And then he kind of pulls out a Hail Mary and pulls victory from the jaws of defeat against Alexander Volkov in the last 10 seconds. Um, That is a weird year for anybody. But then when you consider Derek Lewis' personality, it's almost like it's weird even by his standards. So this is a very just odd one, the circumstances. I agree. I would have liked more preparation. I would actually argue that Derek Lewis gets a bit of the better deal in the short notice because, as I understand it, Daniel Cormier hasn't really been working out hard. Like, he hasn't really put in big road work, for example, since the fight with Stipe. Derek, he didn't really have time to blow up or get out of shape or even just really take any kind of break before this fight comes together. So you would argue that he's only had more time that being said, he was coming off a tough fight against Volkov. So I think that while he's physically, let's say they get to the third round, maybe he's going to feel a little more dialed in than Daniel Cormier. It is just a very tough one because of the circumstances. I watched, I want to say I'm up to episode two on Embedded, which I think is par for the course because it's only Wednesday. But... um. Daniel Cormier, he's been throwing some punches with the boxing gloves. It looks like he's throwing with both hands. That is very different compared to you're in the four-ounce gloves, you just have your hand wraps, and you're up against the, you know, the body of Derek Lewis, that size and mass, and trying to throw at that big head of his. That's going to be, you know, I think the more telling thing, does DC have confidence to just try to crack him with it as he works his way in to get the fight to the ground? For me, I think that it really depends on DC's game plan and how well he's able to execute it. He is a great wrestler. Is he going to be able to get down a guy like Derek? He didn't even try to really take down Stipe, really, in their fight. Derek Lewis, I want to say, is an even bigger fighter than uh, Stipe. Is that going to be the game plan, and can he execute it with his hands? Is it injured? Is it going to be okay? Does he have the grip strength? to really hold on to a guy like Derek because if it stays on the feet, I think you're really relying on the fact that Derek is either going to get tired or not going to be able to catch you. Both of those things are you only have confidence in if you had a long camp to stay in shape, which we know DC is not going to have. Right. That All of it is a lot of X factors, a lot of question marks. I will say I still favor DC um, coming off the couch, a little hurt. I think that Daniel Cormier is just a better fighter than a lot of guys, even under the circumstances. I expect his veteran savvy. I expect his just IQ to essentially prevail against Derek Lewis. But it is a tough one. And we could well see Derek Lewis be the heavyweight champion unexpectedly on Saturday. So your prediction is Daniel Cormier by... I am going, ooh, I like the way you ask that. Just put me on the spot. (laughs) I believe that Daniel Cormier will win by a third round TKO. 
I mm. think that he's gonna have to, he's is gonna be tough to put away Derek, but I think he's gonna get him down. And when Derek is tired, he's gonna be able to put together enough strikes from the top position to get the stoppage. Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking I'm thinking the second or third, um, you know, similar to you, because I think that we are gonna just see an issue with Derek Lewis's conditioning, and I think that Daniel is just technical enough to to know what to do to tire Derek out, but I do feel like it's just, we're just not going to see DC like we usually do because of all this lack of preparation. So I feel like we'll still see that finish as well, but um, it's going to be a, a harder task for him. I agree. Now, before we move on to the co-main event, um, Kayla, let's say that Derek Lewis, he hits DC with that shot. It's the end. That's a wrap. Derek Lewis is the new heavyweight champion. What the heck is he going to say? Oh, gosh. You know what? Actually, G, I want to change mine to a third round submission. Okay, okay. Um, as far as what Derek Lewis is going to say. Oh, gosh. I think he is going to shock us all and um, recite some Shakespearean poetry. That's my prediction, too. No, it isn't. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> Maybe I think it'll be a draw. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what? I'll say this. I don't care what he says. Just please keep your pants on, Derek. I know, right? <laughs> That's my only thing. Just keep them pants on, man. We don't I want, want your... the full moon. We don't want it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I always, I, I'll tell you this. If I ever interview Derek, I'm going to get one of those, uh, like the water bottle that has the fan. And I'm going to say to him, Derek, I have a very family-friendly audience, so this is for you to keep your pants on and stay cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, feel like, I can't wait for that interview. I feel like he would laugh his ass off, too, if I'm being honest. But, yeah, <laughs> I, um, you know, uh, I, I actually think if Derek really wins, he's going to be serious, then he'll say something silly. I, I'm going to predict that just um, in all seriousness. And, you know, I want him to recite something from, like, Othello, not like a, you know, you know, Romeo and Juliet or something. I think he needs something, you know, off the, you know, off the beaten path. <laughs> Moving on, our co-main event, there's some changes, but it's still two high-level middleweights. Luke Rockhold, obviously, out of the fight with Chris Weidman. Jocker Ray steps into the fight after, you know, being removed and preparing for David Branch on the same card. Kayla, Chris Weidman hasn't been seen in roughly a year. Jacare lost that tough split decision to Kelvin Gastelum earlier this year. But both of them, two high-level middleweights, two stylistically different guys. What are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, well, we're getting, you know, two of the top-skilled veterans of the sport. Um, and they both have solid stand-up and ground games and have continued to evolve both of those, um, you know, levels. So I think this is going to be, I almost would worry that it wouldn't be as competitive because both guys are respecting each other so much, but then because I know that they're just brawlers, I'm, I'm really excited about this fight. I think that this might be the one I'm most excited for on the card. Um, I think it just comes down to that. I think Weidman, you know, 
might be a little bit faster and, and more accurate. And I only say that because, you know, watching Jacare, he has seemed to slow down a little bit. But I think that Jacare does have a little bit more advantage on the ground of being more sneaky. Um, so, though I think Chris Weidman would be able to, you know, he has the skill set to scramble and get back up to his feet. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to see how long they stand up and trade and then maybe when Jacare will go to get those takedowns and, and try and do some work on the ground. Uh, you know me, G, I would love to see both men really get at get after it on the ground and, and show us those skills. Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's going to come down to as far as on the feet, um, Chris Weidman being slightly the faster and more accurate uh, striker. What do you think? Uh, I, I really agree with you. To me, the thing about Jacare is that when he gets on top of you, Chris Weidman is uh, not just competent. He is really an excellent grappler. Jacare is just one of those guys. I don't care who you are. He gets a good grip on you, and you are you know, facing a high degree of difficulty to get out of that position. I don't care if your name is Gracie, Machado, you name it. That is how good a Jacare is, especially for MMA. On the feet, the thing that really hurts him is that he has learned to get more confidence in his power. That mm-hmm. being said, he's very slow, very plodding. He tends to really look for just that few, you know, short combinations, that big power shot, not really moving around on the balls of his feet. So I think that is going to be what plays into Chris Weidman's game. The thing for me is that for Chris Weidman, you are preparing for Luke Rockhold, who is arguably the most dangerous guy at middleweight. Yes, his record recently probably doesn't reflect that. But when you look at his uh, physical gifts, all of the weapons that he has on the feet, and you know he's a great grappler, and you know their history, Chris Weidman was training like a beast for Luke Rockhold. Yeah. I can't say that Jacare, you know, not that he doesn't train hard, but it's a different mentality to prepare for a guy like David Branch. Now, that be- so that being said, I think that Chris Weidman, the hard work's already been done. He feels ready for a tough fight, and I think that this favors him, even though Jacare is stylistically so different from Luke. I, I agree with you. It's going to come down to the speed on the feet. I think that Chris Weidman, um, he wouldn't be coming back. I feel like he's, even though it's a layoff, He's done the work to feel pretty, you know, tuned in, very dialed in. He's going to have his rhythm and his timing, and he's going to have that good strategy to get in and out against Jacare. And I agree with you. The speed is going to be the difference. Um, If Jacare tries to take you down, by all means, sprawl and brawl. Do not stay there. Do not try to hold him and work in the clinch. You try to break out of there as fast as possible. Because Jacare knows that that's his route to victory, and he's gonna have that extra incentive to turn it around, considering where he was against Kelvin Gastelum, and he really wants that rematch with Whitaker and Kelvin, and he knows that a win over Weidman keeps you in a great position to do so. So I think that it's gonna be fun. I favor Chris Weidman. Um, unanimous decision. Jacare's coming in there. I think he's going to look better than he did against Kelvin, and I expect him to be, to be tough and not get put away. We're on the same page. G, you're close to it. I also have Chris Weidman by decision. 
see that's what happens when you've been away we come back together and it's like you know all <laughs> things it's the refresh we're back on all cylinders life is ne- good it's halloween i'm talking with my favorite guy to talk mma with and we're on the same page oh my god you're gonna make my face red kayla stop it don't make me do the thriller dance and excitement oh my gosh i'm gonna send you a clip just just now that's one of my favorites to do on Halloween. I've done it on the <laughs> air in the past, no lie. Oh, and gosh, I think well, I mean I, I didn't do it as well as Michael, but I did well. Anyway, <laughs> um, we do have one more middleweight fight. So David Branch is moving on to fight Jared Cannonier. So you know that's another middleweight showcase on the card. But the one that a lot of people have their eye on is Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. This one, Kayla, man, I mean. Israel Adesanya, it's like, I keep using this metaphor. You know I love my cooking metaphors with MMA. I don't know why. But he's that pot that has been simmering, and he just hasn't popped yet. And he's had a lot of good performances. He's looked good. He's fought some tough guys. But he just can't seem to get put that one combination together that everyone's been waiting for him to do and score the knockout. Derek Brunson wants to make a statement. They've had a bit of back and forth in the media, in interviews. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. um, Well, I mean, also, we have to give it to Israel. He's been pretty active this year, too, or pretty active since he got his UFC start. Yes. Um, But I agree. I think that we see the skill set. We see how he's incorporating his past, you know, um, combat sports and brought it into MMA and I really think that he's putting in the work he's putting in the work to be a, a, a full set a full skilled fighter well-rounded fighter and I think that Derek Brunson is going to be that one to really test where he's at Derek Brunson needs to bring out that wrestling and I think whether it's just that he only dominates him on the ground or at least just goes to tire him out and close the distance and then eventually get that knockout, because I have a feeling, G, Derek Brunson doesn't want to just win by decision because of their beef and the, you know, words exchange. I think he wants to finish him and really shut down the, the Israel train. Um, but that's what excites me about this fight is, you know, there's really big opportunity for Derek Brunson, and I like the... Um, incentive he has to really prepare for this fight and go in there and give us a show. But then I also have really been a fan of watching Israel come into the UFC and it'll be cool to see if he has put in that work to face a wrestler and, and, and pull off and maybe get that exciting victory that we're talking about. And if you really look at it, Brunson's losses, I'm looking at something right now that says his key losses are names like a Robert Whitaker, Anderson Silva, Yoel Ramiro, who all are very skilled with their striking, um, who know how to use their their the distance and get in and out. And so it's it's just going to be a very competitive, two different styles uh, of fights and, and very telling. Yeah, to me, the thing about um, Israel Adesanya is that, and who's a... I can't believe I'm blanking on it. I kind of see him a lot like, say, AJ McKee. And what I mean by that is a lot of clearly a very flashy arsenal, not afraid to spin, not afraid to really get after it. 
but everyone knows the game plan for these guys. You want to get in their face. You want to crowd them. You don't want to give them that space. You want to try to take them down, smother them. And like AJ, Israel is very good at avoiding that. He's very accurate with his counters. We saw that against Brad Tavares. Every time Brad tried to search forward and execute that game plan, Israel was so accurate in keeping him away. And that's really one of the biggest signs of maturity. For example, guys like Yair Rodriguez in the past haven't shown that they are at that level yet. And that's really been, you know, the Achilles heel of these really flashy strikers. Israel, I think, is ahead in terms of his development as a fighter. And I think, though, he's faced a lot of tough guys. And he's got a style that I think he almost looks for the home run a little too often. That's why he can't get it. It's always that, you know, the one you're not expecting that sets it up for you. I think that Israel is going to do well. I don't know about a finish if he is going to be the one who wins. Derek Brunson, on the other hand, I think he's got a great style. My thing is we've seen it in fights like Whitaker, like Jacare. Sometimes he leaves himself open trying to come forward. And that's going to be very dangerous against a guy, like you said, like Israel, when we've seen that in the past. So I think he has a good strategy. I think that he's got a little more pop in his punches than a lot of guys Israel has fought so far. Stylistically, though, I think that Israel is a very well-prepared fighter. I think that just because he hasn't had the result that he wanted doesn't mean that he hasn't been fighting good guys very well. And I do expect him to continue the trend. I think that Derek Brunson stylistically just plays into a lot of his strengths as a fighter. So I think that Israel, I would love for him just so he could get that monkey off his back to get a knockout. But I see another decision victory because I think Derek also is going to fight with a little more disciplined attack because he knows he doesn't want to lose two in a row. Hmm. Um, hmm. I'm still on the fence with this one, G. For some reason, my gut right now is telling me that Derek Brunson's going to be able to make it happen. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I think that there's going to be a little bit of an upset. I think Derek Brunson's going to be able to um, tie, not only just tire Israel out, but I guess just frustrate him with the takedown attempts. Um, maybe get him down and, and put some damage and, and really... Um, I guess just not only frustrate, but um, start to just wear and tear down Israel and, and kind of take away that those arsenals of, of him usually being able to use his skills on the feet. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking a second round finish for Derek Brunson. What my Did you from. look? Is that the result that you saw in your mystic pumpkin sitting <laughs> exactly. outside your room? In Los Angeles, that's the one. Exactly. The 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 spirits of fights of UFC events past <laughs> have called into the nights and spoken through the moon and the stars and you know that's what the spell book has told Kayla Beatty <laughs> that Derek Brunson will upset. I'm the... telling you, G, bet on our predictions today. <laughs> okay all right so there we have it we are both going with daniel cormier to retain the heavyweight title we are both taking chris weidman to defeat jacare souza 
Miss Kayla has Derek Brunson in, against Israel Adesanya. I have Adesanya by decision. Um, it's going to be fun. I like it. I think it's a look. He, um, I agree with you. I think if Derek Brunson's going to win, that's his right to victory also. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that this is, um, how do I put it? Kayla, I think this is going to be one of the best showcases for the middleweight division. I would love Rockhold to stay on the card, but um, yeah, I think that this is going to be huge. Uh, can you believe that we almost could have had Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa on this card too? I can't even fathom just what kind of state the middleweight division would have been in had that one stayed on. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that for everything that's happened with you know, who's main event and no Poirier Diaz and all that. I think when we get to Saturday night, when these guys get to Madison Square Garden, they see the lights, they feel the crowd, they take their taxi or whatever through downtown. I think that the energy is just going to hit and I think we're going to have a great fight card. So I think it's going to be another good night of MMA in New York. I agree. I actually, Ian, you make a good point, especially for that middleweight division. They're really stepping up, kind of saving this card. And I think that the fighters on it are going to make it an explosive night. And I think that a lot of them have a special place in their hearts for MSG or at least, you know, the the crowd that's going to be out there. So for sure, it's going to be fun. I know, G, I just have a feeling because it's one of your and my favorite things to do. I'm sure we're going to see some really fun costumes from fighters or just the MMA community. So <laughs> if there are some good ones, maybe we can kind of recap next week um, just on some of the ones that we enjoy too. Oh my gosh, I love it. And then, of course, next week, we are going to be talking about the Denver card. Uh, you know, we'll go more in-depth on Yair versus Zombie and just our predictions on that, how they're looking. And, of course, recap all of this amazing action from Madison Square Garden. But, of course, fans, if you have children and you're taking them out, um, have fun, be safe. Make sure they get the good candy and the good houses. If you're just hanging out and partying like Miss Kayla or myself, have fun and be safe also. Kayla, I am so happy you're back. I missed you. And just really, it's great to have you. Where can fans follow you on social media? Thanks, G. Happy to be back. Have a great Halloween to you and everybody else listening. And fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you? Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. We'll be back next week.